You're listening to the Word of Life AG podcast. We're so glad you're getting caught up on the message. This week, Pastor Tom brought us a great message all about the Christmas buzzwords, peace, hope, and joy. Let's get right into it. Good morning, Word of Life. So glad that you're able to come and be a part of weekend service with us. If you're visiting, massive welcome to you. So glad that you're able to come and be a part of church with us. Um, as we've talked about a lot during service today, we have great outreach initiatives. We just heard it on the video. We heard about announcements. So um, stop by the info desk, get the piece of paper, or head to our website, get all the info. I don't know about you, but it genuinely gets me excited knowing that we as a church can make a massive difference. And this is just one of many ways that we can let the community know that there is a church in their neighborhood that cares, that wants to make a positive difference, that wants to show that God is incredible and His love is wonderful. So I'm glad that we're able to be a part of that. So I would love for people to be amazed at how generous this church is. Is that okay? All right, sounds like a plan. Another thing I want to let you know, this is true today and it's true every week. When church is done and we say the final amen, please don't rush out of here. We're, we're, not, we're not trying to put on a great show and have like good church that happens at you. We're building a community of faith. And so please don't feel rushing out of here is, you know, stick around. Get to know somebody. The cafe is open after service. Stick around for a few minutes. Get to know someone. I hope that this isn't a church where people breeze in and breeze out, but rather you stick around. People know your name. People get to build friendships, and true community is happening here. So when church is done, please don't feel the church is done. Making sense? I'm not going to lie. When I thought of that, I thought I'm going to put that on a T-shirt, but based on your reaction, we'll keep working on it. All right. Anyway, Merry Christmas. Christmas is awesome. We love Christmas. Um, You know, I think that generally it is a time where people look forward to and all those kind of things. And as I was trying to get ready for today, and Christmas was, of course, on my mind and wanted to share something that was hopefully helpful and encouraging. I got thinking about it, and I realized that if you were to receive a Christmas card, which I'm sure many of you will, that there's a good chance that on the Christmas card you get, you'll see the words peace, hope, or joy. I mean, even in our house right now, on our mantle, there's a decoration that has the word peace. And I'm sure that we're not the only ones that have decorations that say that. Our neighbor in our street has a really cool nativity display that's lit up in their yard, and it features the word joy. It would be very easy for, on that nativity decoration that they have, we could swap out the word joy for hope or peace, and it would be just as suitable for Christmas. Just today, we sang, Oh, Holy Night, and the song has that fascinating turn of phrase, the thrill of hope, which is a great lyric. Many Christmas carols will describe peace, hope, or joy within the song. If you look for the words peace, hope, and joy at Christmas time, you'll see them everywhere. Now, beyond the actual words themselves, but rather the themes and concepts of peace, hope, and joy, they're they're so embodied in the modern Christmas celebration that I wonder if it's a risk of them just becoming white noise. Are these words that are so common at Christmas place, do we say them so much? Do we see them so much? Are they on so many decorations? They're on all the Christmas cards. Are they on so many things? Are they at risk of just becoming background noise? Do we hear joy to the world and truly contemplate what that could possibly mean? The Christmas decorations declaring the word peace just get lost among everything else. And all that goes into the Christmas season, do we ever stop and have a real conversation about hope? And while considering this, I've titled this morning's message, The Christmas Buzzwords. The Christmas Buzzwords. Now, I'm not a Grinch. I love Christmas. I love all the stuff about Christmas. Ugly sweaters, Christmas music, 
And not like dignified Christmas music, like the Chipmunks Christmas album. Okay, my favorite Christmas song is the Beach Boys, Little Saint Nick. Love decorating the Christmas tree. Love that my mother-in-law, thank God, is gonna be making prime rib on Christmas Day. I love shopping for presents with the kids. I love watching Elf, Christmas Story, It's a Wonderful Life, Polar Express. I love putting cookies out for Santa and making sure there's a gluten-free option for Mrs. Claus. These are all these things about Christmas that they're not directly related to the birth of Jesus, but it's stuff we look forward to. It's good-natured fun, and, and I love it. I do, however, hate Elf on the Shelf. <laughs> and every single parent that ever started that nightmare agrees with me. But as a believer, treating Christmas as a faith-based holiday, a time to celebrate the birth of Jesus, I don't want to get to December 26th and to not have a renewed and revived sense of peace, hope, and joy in my house. My prayer for you and your family is that as you celebrate and enjoy all the things that make your Christmas special and make this a meaningful time for your family, that you and your household would grow and increase in peace, hope, and joy. That these important things, they wouldn't just blend into the background during all the busyness but that they would be a white noise. And instead of that, amidst the busyness and the frantic, they would stand out. They wouldn't just be cliches that are easy to ignore. They wouldn't just be buzzwords that sound forgettable and predictable. But you and I will get to the last week of December with a deeper sense of peace, hope, and joy. To get ready for today, I spent some time looking at the nativity account from the Bible. And with these words on my mind, the peace, hope, and joy, I came to the account of the angels visiting the shepherds and thought it would be helpful to share. So Luke 2, starting in verse 8. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Now one of the first things that's helpful as we read the New Testament is that it's good for us to remember that the Jewish people of the first century are eagerly awaiting for the promised Messiah to come. The Messiah promised in the Old Testament, that promise to be fulfilled. And as we read and study the Bible as 21st century Americans, one of the differences between us and the early hearers of the message of Jesus that we should keep in mind is that they are largely a group of people that are eagerly anticipating this Messiah. They're eagerly waiting this promise to be fulfilled. The anticipation of a Messiah is from promises that were made throughout the Old Testament. And for hundreds of years, people had held on to this promise. And now, some shepherds, a group of men largely on the outside of society, a group of men with low social status, it's to these people that God sends an angel to tell them the promise that has been fulfilled that day. The announcement from the angel, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. That declaration is more than a surprising piece of news, which it certainly is. It's also a proclamation of all the hopes that they had. It's all the hopes that their ancestors, their neighbors, the whole nation have been hoping for. Today, it's finally happening. The fulfillment of promises proves that hope is not wasted. 
The fulfillment of promises proves that hope is not wasted. It also inspires the courage to continue to have hope for the future. The message from the angel is that this hope being fulfilled will inspire joy and peace. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth. Last year we spent some time, we took a Sunday and looked at this passage and the what I uncovered as I was looking at this last week is that the angel visiting the shepherds and uh, the spectacle that was going on in that moment. See, in the Bible, there are a number of moments, there are a number of incidents that are visual spectacles. They're just stunning to imagine. If you were there and you were able to see it, it would be unlike anything we could ever imagine. And one of those moments in the, the Bible is the splitting of the Red Sea. Or if you know the story of the dead bones coming to life in Ezekiel, or Elijah calling down fire from heaven. This moment from Luke's gospel where the shepherds come and the armies of heaven come and declare the goodness of God. As far as I can think and as far as I can wrap my head around, I think this moment may be more visually stunning than all those moments. The whole army of heaven coming together. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others. We have no idea how many angels this is. The armies of heaven praising God and saying glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. The language used here is indeed a military term. This is an army of angels that are filling the night sky and declaring the goodness of God, declaring that the hope that the whole nation has held onto for centuries is being fulfilled tonight, declaring that God's promises are being upheld, that in nearby Bethlehem, there's a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger, and as strange as it sounds, this baby is the savior God promised hundreds of years ago. This promise being fulfilled stirs an ongoing hope for people who are trusting the promises of God and great joy to all people and peace on earth is what the angel promised. Christmas is a reminder of the peace, hope, and joy that God promises. Christmas is a reminder of the peace, hope, and joy that God promises. My hope for you and your family is this Christmas, you'll experience a renewed sense of peace, a renewed sense of hope, and a renewed sense of joy, in spite of whatever present challenges may be real for you. While these buzzwords are often said at Christmas time, they're consistently talked about throughout the whole Bible. And as I was looking at other passages this week, I came across this verse in Romans. Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. You'll notice that in that verse, hope bookends the verse. God is the source of hope and we will overflow with confident hope. In the New Testament, it's difficult to distinguish between hope and promise. If you do a search in the New Testament for the word hope, you'll see what's written over and over again is something in conjunction with a promise. Hope and promise is difficult to distinguish between the two. To have hope in God, for him to be the source of hope, is to have great confidence in his promises. God is the source of hope because he makes promises. And we can overflow with confident hope because he keeps his promises. He makes promises. And that stirs hope within us. And because he keeps his promise, that makes that hope confident. And what are God's promises? The Bible is filled with promises. I've got a tiny sample for you today. All the way back in Deuteronomy, God will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. John's gospel, Jesus talking. Here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows, but 
take heart because I have overcome the world. God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. For though you fall, you will rise again. All who believe Jesus and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. John 5, Jesus talking, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. Now the Bible is full of promises just like this, and hearing them and internalizing them brings hope. But it's not blind faith. It's not foolish, wishful thinking. God continually shows himself faithful to his promises. We all have a friend who's late to everything. I am that friend. I'm always consistently three or four minutes late. I'm never 20 minutes late. We also have friends that are always on time. We also have friends that are always a few minutes early. These are the same people who started saving for retirement at age seven. These are the same people that asked Santa for a 401k contribution. I know because I married one of these wonderful people. If I'm running late, no one that hangs out with me is surprised. They're annoyed, they're saying unkind things about me behind my back, but they're not surprised. But if those friends who are always on time are running late, we start to worry. The friends that are true to their word, I'll be there at this time, and they're not, even though they have an incredible track record of being on time, now worry starts to creep in. Start texting, you okay? Everything all right? The difference is, one person has proven themselves, the other has not. One has a track record of keeping their word. The other is always five minutes late. It's a bad habit, I need to fix it. But what's the point? The point is that God makes promises, big promises, but he continually delivers. Not always in the way I would want him to, or even in the time frame that I'm expecting, but if we take him at his word, if we trust his promises, we will see him bring about his plans and purposes again and again. In God, we can see that he is in the habit of making big promises and fulfilling them. If God were in the habit of making promises and then not fulfilling them, we would all question whether it was right or valid to put our hope in him. As I was thinking about this, this whole idea this week, I was remembering a really troubling season for me. Megan and I, 10 years ago, we lived in New York City, and we loved it. We had little newborn baby Elijah. We were a part of an exciting church and enjoying the ministry we were a part of. It really felt like we were making a great difference in the lives of some people that we deeply cared about. We loved the city. We loved living there. It was an exciting time for us. We were both committed to spending the rest of our lives working and ministering in the city. And when Megan got pregnant with the twins, it forced us to leave. It forced us to leave the city and relocate. And the only option we had was to stay at our in-laws' house in Oregon. Leaving the city was devastating for me. It's a long story. I'll have a chance to share it another time, I'm sure. But God called us to New York City, and him getting us to New York is nothing short of miraculous. How we got to New York is a wild story. But while we were there, we were loving it. Good things were happening. But with the pregnancy of the twins, it meant Megan couldn't work. But God could have provided me a job that paid double my current salary. He could have figured out a free apartment for us. There's countless ways that God could have kept us in the city, but he didn't. I was confused. I was angry. 
We lost our home, our friends, ministry we were part of, our expectations for the future. We put all our eggs in that basket and it was done. And of course, this brings doubt, brings frustration. Did the dream get cut short because of something I did? Was I inadequate? Had I done something to derail God's plans in my life? God, you miraculously made the dream a reality and then you pulled it away. Trying to figure this all out, trying to bounce back from this disappointment was a rough time. It was deeply upsetting for me. I hated Oregon and now I know it wasn't Oregon's fault. But despite the disappointment, we held on, we persevered, we stayed committed in faith, we continued putting God first. As time went on, we saw that God was still working and fulfilling his promises. There were things happening behind the scenes that I didn't know about. There were ways that God was working in our lives that we couldn't see. We didn't know at the time that Elijah's autism would make living in the city almost impossible. We didn't know that Moses would need surgery on his cranium at eight months old. We also didn't know that the best hospital in the world for cranial surgery is in Portland, Oregon. We didn't know that the pastor of our church in New York City was going to have an affair and in lots of ways implode the church. We had no idea that the church we loved and poured into, it isn't even running weekend services right now because they haven't been able to regroup after the COVID shutdown. And of course, our journey from Oregon somehow brought us here. We took the scenic route via Montana and New Jersey, but we got here. And I know I speak for Megan too, we wouldn't trade this for anything. To see how God has been faithful in his promises. If one person claps, we all have to. To see how God has been faithful in his promises. From the absolute devastation and disappointment of leaving New York City and seeing the dream completely crash and burn. Saying goodbye to friends, ministry, a life we built for ourselves. Back then, it didn't feel like God was keeping his promises. But we persisted. We stayed the course. And now, I can't even comprehend how God is fulfilling his promises in our life. People are getting saved every weekend here at the church. And also in all kinds of different ministries at the church. People are taking steps to deepen their faith. People are being brave and courageous to start rebuilding their lives. The community is seeing that there's a church in the neighborhood that cares about them. We are watching God fulfill his promises. As a Christian and as a believer, I'm growing in confident hope because I am seeing God be true to his word. He keeps proving himself faithful and he keeps proving that he upholds his promises. It looked and felt like God was not keeping his promises, but he was working in ways I would never have guessed. Oftentimes, the key is just holding on. I know that there are many people in this church who have their own story, different specifics and details from my story, but stories of disappointment and despair, met with a commitment to endure and hold on to faith. There are many people in this church who have walked through the most painful things imaginable, some things that make my story seem like a picnic, but they have seen God prove himself to be true to his promises. Though we may not understand the hardships of life, he is working on a larger canvas. Though we may be distraught with the pain of today, he has eternal plans. Though we cannot understand how this could ever work out, he is at work in all things. We might be weighed down by life, but he is able to bring good out of the very worst. God will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart 
because I have overcome the world. God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Though you fall, you will rise again. All who believe Jesus and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. When we start to see these promises being kept in our lives, it changes things. The verse from Romans that I read a moment ago, Paul describes God as the source of hope, and it's because of hope the joy and peace come. We see this play out for the shepherds. The typical night of them watching the sheep is interrupted by an angel telling them the promise of God that they've been holding on to for centuries is about to be fulfilled. They're told how they will recognize the baby. And then the army of, angel, of heaven comes. But then we read this in verse 15. When the angels have returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. They left with joy and peace, glorifying and praising God, retelling the story as they went back to the field. But here's something I noticed about this story and something about the nature of hope, is that hope changes everything, even when nothing has changed. Hope changes everything, even when nothing has changed. The shepherds' status in life, their day-to-day reality, it hadn't changed. At this point, Jesus was a baby. Yes, he was the savior of the world, but this newborn baby hadn't performed any miracles. He hadn't preached any sermons about the kingdom of God. He hadn't recruited a group of disciples. He certainly hadn't gone to the cross, but it changed everything because the promise was fulfilled and new promises were made. Yes, they found the baby as promised. Yes, they believed that the baby is the savior that was promised, but the angels also declare promises that were not yet fulfilled. The angels also promised, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people and peace on earth. The promise of joy and peace weren't fully realized that day. For the shepherds, nothing changed, but they received the promise that peace and joy is coming because the Savior, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the Son of God has been born. They dramatically witnessed God fulfill his promise, and now they have a spring in their step that he will continue to keep his promise. The fulfillment of a promise proves that hope is not wasted. It also inspires the courage to continue to have hope. Trust God, build your lives on him, commit to endure and persevere, and we will see God bring about his plans and purposes. We will see him fulfill his promises. The shepherds left the place where Jesus lay and were clearly full of joy. Take time and reflect this Christmas on how God has fulfilled his promises for you. Talk to a friend or spouse and swap notes on how he's moved in your life and how he has proven himself. The shepherds we read about, you know that there's zero chance that they'll be able to go the rest of their lives without being given many reasons to doubt the promises that the angel had made. If either one of the shepherds ever started to question the peace and the joy that the angel promised, All they needed to do is to say to one of the other shepherds, hey, remember the army of angels. Remember the baby exactly as they described. And just by remembering the promises that have been previously made and previously kept, a renewed sense of hope is certain to come. 
Hearing over and over how God has been faithful inspires something powerful within us. It builds hope. Hope because if he has been faithful in the past again and again, it is right and correct and reasonable to trust him and be faithful that he is going to continue to keep his promises in the future. If we take Paul seriously, as he wrote to the church in Rome, if we see God as our source of hope, then like the shepherds, we would expect peace and joy to follow. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. The promise of joy is so much greater than any kind of promise of happiness. Happiness is dependent on circumstances. Happiness is fleeting. But joy, joy has depth. Joy endures seasons. Joy is not easily deflated. Joy sustains. Happy consistently needs to be recharged and re-energized. But we're given the promise of joy, the same promise that was made to a group of shepherds 2,000 years ago, that joy and peace will come because of Jesus. It's the same promise we can grab a hold of today. In preparation for this morning, I looked up the word peace in a Bible dictionary, and the definition was about six pages long. It was interesting, but I'll abbreviate it with some highlights. The definition of the word peace, a cessation of hostilities, to be relationally free of conflict, the conditions are right for prosperity. That internal peace can reign when externally there are disruptions. Peace is the opposite of disorder. And most importantly, we can be reconciled with God. A cessation of hostilities and relationally free of conflict. There's a verse that came to my mind as I read that, that I think is especially pertinent for this generation, especially relevant for us today. Romans 12:18. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. I don't see as much of this as I'd like. Obviously, I do it perfectly. I'm just worried about everyone else. I wish that we were quicker to avoid a dispute. I wish we let things go easier. I wish we resisted saying things that we know are going to cause strife. It'd be great if we made decisions and choices and considered how this is gonna impact the peace in my life. There are so many things in life we can't control, but then there are things that we can. We can control our choices, our words, and our attitude. And we should care about whether those things are building peace in our lives. I certainly feel this challenge. I want to enjoy living in peace. And I have a responsibility to build that in my life with God's help. With peace, the conditions are right for prosperity. War is expensive. And that's always been true. When a nation is at war, the people feel the burden. My dad was born in 1948, just three years after World War, II, uh, World War II. But my dad still remembers as a little boy growing up in London that there was still food rationing in place. My grandmother would talk about the buildings that were destroyed during the bombing, during the war. And in London, it took years for these buildings to be replaced. War takes a toll. But when there's a nation that's at peace, just as it is in our lives, then we can thrive. The conditions are right for prosperity. Internal peace can reign when externally there are disruptions. Don't wait on everyone else to make peace easy. Don't wait on everyone else to make peace easy. God has promised peace. Lean into that. You can draw from the God of hope. He can be your source even if there's crazy happening around you. You can be the level-headed one. You can be the one to bring calm. You can be the one to bring a kind word. You can be the one to stop the cycle of gossip and trash talk. 
the internal peace that you have can drive you to bring that peace to others. Peace is the opposite of disorder. My children do not understand this. They are wonderful, and I love them, but they are messy little savages. I would say they belong in a zoo, but the zookeeper would go psycho because they're messing up the cage too much. But when the house is turned upside down, it's difficult to relax. This is just talking about kids making a mess in the house, but what about messy relationships? What about messy situations at work? What about important things running away from you? Bills being unpaid, repairs not getting attention, responsibilities not being tended to. It all breeds disorder. When life is out of whack and you're dodging phone calls and hoping you don't get busted about something and a problem that should be getting fixed is just getting worse, how can we possibly enjoy peace when life is like that? If life is messy and complicated and dramatic, where's the peace? Let's start to bring a sense of order and peace back in. And most importantly, the most important kind of peace we can know is to be reconciled with God. The biggest lack of peace that humanity experiences is the separation from God. And that is the true message of the baby in a manger. That we can live in a peaceful, restored relationship with the Father. The baby grew up, lived a sinless life, taught a better way to live, went to the cross and rose again so we can know life. Putting our hope, trust and faith in Jesus brings true peace. There's a moment in the life of Jesus where he was on a boat and the storm was raging and he kept on sleeping. And that's the kind of peace I want in my life. Romans 15, 13, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. How can we grow in joy and peace? How can this stop being just a theory but what we actually experience? How can we make sure that this isn't just some sermon that we heard one Christmas a while ago? We trust in him. We truly trust Him. We structure our lives in a way that shows we trust Him. We make decisions because we trust Him. We endure and persevere. We make faith a lifelong commitment. And through the seasons of life, you and I will see God remain true to His promises over and over again. When life hits, you need someone in your life that will compassionately and kindly tell you, keep trusting God, you will get through this. The verse continues, then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope is not about today. It's forward thinking. Hope is not an assessment of how things are in this moment, but rather what you're expecting for the future. Hope is not defined or limited by the reality of today. Hope may be damaged or weakened by our experience, but hope can be rebuilt. We've read today, that God is the true source of hope. The shepherds found hope in seeing God fulfill his promise. And yet, we can misplace our trust and hope in many, many things. Placing our hope in a person, even a well-meaning person, is bound to fail. Hope in our own strength and abilities is severely limited. Hope in a promotion or our bank account or a side hustle is shaky ground. Hope in a political party is inevitably going to end in disappointment. The Democrats do not deserve your hope and undying confidence and trust. The Republicans do not deserve your hope and undying confidence and trust. 
No political party deserves your unquestioned loyalty and devotion. God and God alone is worthy of your hope and undying confidence and trust, loyalty and devotion. He is our source of hope. And because He is our source of hope, we can overflow with joy and peace. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth. Christmas is a reminder of the peace, hope, and joy that God promises. God is the source of hope because He makes promises. We can overflow with confident hope because He keeps His promises. Hope changes everything, even when nothing has changed. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. The fulfillment of promises proves that hope is not wasted. It also inspires the courage to continue to have hope. Romans 15, 13, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. May this be true for you and your family this Christmas, that we will get to the end of December with a renewed confidence in the promises of God, a deep sense of hope, a joy that endures through every season, and a peace that cannot be shaken. I've got a couple of questions for you. If you've got a piece of paper, pen, take your phone out, write these down. Maybe you have a chance to talk about this with someone this week, or maybe just by yourself, reflect on this a little bit, pray about it. First question is this. Do you think of God as your source of hope? Is that how you view God? Is that how you consider Him? Is that a role you see Him having in your life, that He is your source of hope? Second question, how would a renewed sense of hope bring joy and peace to your home? How would a renewed sense of hope bring joy and peace to your home? My hope is this Christmas, that is what you will experience amidst everything else, all the movies, all the parties, all the food, all the everything else. Amidst that, you and your family would stop, pause, reflect, and through talking and reflecting on how God has fulfilled promises in your life consistently, how God's goodness is so evident in your life, that by having these conversations, remembering that in the manger 2,000 years ago, that little baby represents promises being fulfilled that have been held onto by centuries, that that will bring a renewed sense of hope and a sense of joy and a sense of peace to your home, no matter what you and your loved ones are facing right now. We're gonna go back in and have another moment of worship together. So I invite everyone here to stand and then I'm gonna pray and then we can continue in time of worship. Lord, take this message, take these scriptures that I've read and all that's been shared today. And Lord, use it to bless somebody. Use it to encourage somebody. Use it to challenge somebody so that we can rest in the confidence that you are true to your word. You are true to your promises. And that should bring unshaking faith and hope in you to our lives. And that we can overflow with joy and peace because we have you as our source of hope. Lord, we love you. We worship you and we trust you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, everybody, let's spend some time worship together. My hope is built on nothing less.
Jesus' blood and righteousness. I did not trust the sweetest frame, but holy trust in Jesus' name. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but holy trust in Jesus' name. Oh, Christ. to you um, one of the verses I shared earlier on. This is one of the countless promises of God you can find in the Bible. John 5, 24, I tell you the truth, Jesus talking, those who listen to my message and believe in God who have sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. That's the message of Jesus. It is a message of going from death to life. It is a message of eternal hope. It's a message that recognizes and is honest enough to say, you know what, apart from God, there's dysfunction, there's hurt, there's pain, there's an eternity that I hate thinking about. That's the reality. But motivated by love, motivated by a love for you and a love for me, God said, no, I'm gonna become humanity. I'm gonna send my son to become human. 2,000 years ago, that baby in a manger is gonna take on humanity. 
so that I can pay the price for humanity that humanity cannot pay ourselves. We cannot get ourselves out of the debt and out of the problem of sin by ourselves. So Jesus did it for us. This is a message of love. It is a message of hope. You may be here today and you may have been in church a million times before and you've heard this over and over again, but for some reason it's just never clicked. But something today has just brought this home and you know that you know that God is for real, that He loves you, and that you could put your faith and trust in Jesus and know Him and have a healed and whole relationship with the Creator of the universe. You may have never heard this before. This may be brand new to you, but you just know that something that British guy was saying made sense. And you're ready to start the greatest decision you could ever make, and that's the decision to follow Jesus. So I want to give a chance to anyone here, everyone here, if you've never made that decision or if you have made that decision, but it's just gone by the wayside and you want to make a new decision today, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to put Him first. I'm going to put my faith and trust in Him. I'd love to pray for you today. And I give you my word, I'm not going to embarrass anybody here. If you don't mind just closing your eyes and bowing your heads, if this is you and you know that this is a moment that you need to draw a line in the sand and you need to make a decision, I'm going to put God first. I'm going to follow Him. I'd love to pray for you. I want to ask if that's you today, could you just put your hand in the air? I'm not going to do anything to embarrass anybody. Wonderful. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Great news. Amen. Thank you. Wonderful. Anybody else here? Amen. Wonderful. Anybody else? I promise I won't embarrass you. Wonderful. I see you at the back. Amazing. Proud of you. Anybody else here? I don't want to drag this out and make it embarrassing and make it awkward. But if this is you, don't let this moment pass you by. Anybody else here? Wonderful. Amen. Amen. Come on, Word of Life. Let's celebrate with people making the best decision any of us could ever make. Wonderful. Well, we're going to pray a prayer, and we do this at the end of every service. And I believe through my own life experience, as well as watching many other people, you pray a prayer like this with faith. You pray a prayer like this, believing there's power behind it, things start to change. So come on, everybody, let's pray this together. Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I want to follow you. I invite you to be Lord of my life. Help me follow you every day. I want to leave my old life of sin behind and heal my broken relationship with God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, everybody, one more time. Let's celebrate with people. Wonderful.